0: The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to www.withwattwattstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So, you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to WealthWallStreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. My daughter, Kate, Joey, is trying to start a little business. We've been doing this Rich Dad Poor Dad for Teens. And she came to me the other day and she she had this grand idea of how she was going to start her business and she's gonna buy these tools and gonna to save the money from the first sales so that she could buy more tools and ultimately she could pay for labor. But wait, what what is she building? Well, she We're wants making... to make walking sticks. They're going ah. out and finding limbs in the woods, they're sanding them down and they're carving people's names into them, and then they're staining them. They've actually and they're putting wax on them. I mean like they're actually really cool. Like she showed me the first one she did. I literally thought it was a walking stick. I had no idea it was just a limb they had found in the woods. Cool. Okay. Well, we're, we're going through the numbers last night. And one of the things I talked about, we got to the economics part. And, and I said, well, who sets the price for stuff, Kate? And she goes, I do. I go, really? And we gave examples. I said, let's, let's say that um, you go to our neighbors and you try to sell one of these walking sticks and you want to sell it for $20. And neighbor says, I don't want to give you $20 for it. And then you go to the next neighbor and they said, I don't want to give you $20 for it. And you go to the next neighbor, I'll give you 5 but I'm not giving you 20 Who sets the price? Wow, that was, that was pretty cool. What did she say? She goes, the customer sets it. And I was like, all right, here's the thing, though. Let's go out and let's, let's look at walking sticks. We went online, we found walking sticks selling for 60 bucks." And they weren't much different than what she had. They they had a few little features that she could do. And I said, okay, here you go, Kate. Now we go to our neighbor and we say, you know, Mr. Ron, I was looking at walking sticks and I, I made one for my uncle and he was so excited about this walking stick. It was better than anything he'd ever owned personally. And he wanted to pay me for it and I didn't know what to charge him. So I was looking online, I found these walking sticks for $60 and I thought, well, you know, this one's made in China and... Really, I don't know anybody wants to get anything from China these days. So having a homemade walking stick, knowing where it was made from and just the value put in that, I I thought this is really cool. I, I should go around the neighborhood and see if anyone else would like to get a walking stick very similar to the one I made for my uncle. By the way, here's an example of one that we recently made. If you were in the market for a walking stick, how much would you want to pay for something like this, knowing that they normally go for $60?
1: What what did she say?
0: She goes, that's pretty cool. I go, now, I don't know what his answer is going to be. But here's the point, is that marketing for your product is one of the most valuable things you can do. Because you can have the best product on the market, but if you don't market it well and find out if there's a market for it and drive demand and create scarcity amongst it, you might be the only one. Nelson Nash came on our show one time. He said, you know, when, whenever uh, somebody has a phone, it's big deal. Who cares? If someone else doesn't have a phone, you don't have anything.
1: right?" <laughs> someone on the other side of that. That's phone. right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You don't have anything. So I, I think about that in light of our interview today with Steve Westner.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing about it. You tune into this show every week to learn ways to grow passive income outside of Wall Street. What are the strategies? What are the tactics? What are the the places in which maybe you've never heard of before? And guess what? This is the thing that's under your nose every single day. It's your greatest investment. It's your own business. It's the thing you have the most control over in our hierarchy of wealth. And yet, marketing is the thing that sometimes we we put on the back burner or we don't follow the process that Stephen lays out for us today today that I thought like, man, this makes so much sense. Why don't more people do this?
0: This is a great interview. There's lots of nuggets. You're talking to someone who had Darren Hardy, the owner of Success Magazine, the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster author, one of my favorite books. He had him on his board of advisors. And you're going to get to hear nuggets that he's used over the last 20 years implementing in his business and helping coach others on ways that they can grow a market for their business. So ultimately, that business could become passive in nature. Let's jump into this interview with Steven Wesner. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These
2: financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street.
0: Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones, and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com
1: forward slash community. You can join for free today. Welcome into the show. We are in for a treat. We have Steven Westner as our guest today. Steven, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks very much, uh, Joey. And it's a pleasure to join you
0: and Russ. So really excited for our conversation. I think it's going to be awesome. Stephen, before there was predictive ROI, there were some unpredictive things that probably happened in your experience as a business owner entrepreneur. We've all been there. We've all had some of those moments that we've learned from, but Mm -hmm. we also sometimes would like to forget. But I have this uncanny ability of asking the first question every single time. And I want (laughs) to know, give me that experience that happened early on in your entrepreneur journey that has set you toward the path that you're on. You know, uh, so Predictive is my fifth business, and so it
2: is certainly not without the unpredictable moments, uh, and we've had some really interesting stories in the 11 years of Predictive, but because you're asking me for the story before Predictive, uh, certainly have those too. and in one of those was um, my second company was a company back in, uh, you remember back when like having a dot-com was like cool, and like everybody put the dot-com extension on the back end of everything in order to get uh, investment money uh, <laughs> from VCs and angels and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, me and, and several guys, we did the same thing. And we created a business called fortifiednutrition.com. We decided that we're going to be in the sports supplement business when everything was going online at that time. This was back in 1999. So Amazon was, oh my goodness, like three and a half years old, four years old at that time. I think okay. they sold their first book in '95, if I remember correctly. Um, so anyway, it was really hot to be selling things online. And and we we did some, you know, raise. We we got a hundred thousand dollar line of credit from Wells Fargo. We had raised uh some small rounds with uh some angel investors who were, you know, good friends, a little bit more distant than friends and family, but friends. And then it came time for us to really start to try to attract uh, VC money because the early on investors like Ernst & Young were, were our auditors. We hired a, a law firm in Cleveland and we were, we were going to be on the IPO journey. I mean, we were on that path. We had you know the team in place and all of that. And our initial goal was, could we go public in five years? As we brought more partners on, we are, we engaged in internet advertising agency in San Francisco, right in the Knob Hill district. I mean, they were just, they were awesome and really started to gain some momentum. This was before we even opened the store and it had sold a single protein drink. Wow. Right? Yeah. I'm sitting in the office of our um, attorney in, in Cleveland and we're talking about the valuation, the business valuation that I put together the, literally the night before. I had zero business experience at that point, at least as far as putting together business valuations. So I put together a $10 million business valuation, literally the night before, not, not one cent in revenue yet for this company. Okay. And I set it down on the table and, and you know, attorneys, Ernst & Young auditors, other stakeholders in the room said, yeah, it looks good. And I got my my stock certificates uh, like a couple weeks after that, and on paper I was worth three million bucks, and I was twenty eight years old, and I thought it was awesome. And and my wife, the very practical one in our relationship, said, "Um, say, uh, could we buy a new car with that?" I'm like, "Uh, no." Uh, could we get a could we get a different house with that? No. Could we buy groceries with that? I'm like, no. And she's like, "Yeah, uh, come back and see me when that's actually worth something."
0: Oh, and
2: and and yeah, those were hard words for me to hear, but it was also what my arrogance needed to hear. and And the reality of the situation was I was in San Francisco in March of 2000. for those listening who don't have context, March of 2000 is when the NASDAQ crashed. I went from trying to sell 20 percent of my company for seven million dollars. To as much as you want for as little as you give me. It became the fortifiednutrition.com fire sale. Mm. And so I learned a very painful reality that my stock certificate that said I was worth three million bucks meant exactly Jack. And so, you know, the business lasted for another maybe year or so, kind of on life support. I think we made it all the way through May of 2001. Uh, just before 9-11, we would not have survived uh, the economic recession that followed uh, the tragic events of 9-11. We just didn't have the cash position. And so I know all about what it feels like to run an undercapitalized business in a very difficult market. And I like to think that I've learned a little bit from that mistake.
1: Look, so my follow-on question is how many protein drinks do you still
2: have in your garage? <laughs> uh, <laughs> From that business. Uh, we th- thankfully, we were a retailer that was doing drop shipping. So we never took possession of inventory. Nice. Uh, so the only thing now that I have in my kitchen is thankfully what I'm
0: planning to drink
2: um, <laughs> that, that I have since purchased recently. So it's not it's not 20 year old powder. That'd be gross.
0: <laughs> Did you frame those stock certificates and keep those as a as a good reminder?
2: Uh, they're not framed, but I do have them.
0: Yeah, that's um, awesome.
2: And I do, I do cringe a little bit when, when I see it. But then also, this will sound a little bit weird, is that they're, they're in a folder along with a handwritten note that I have from Lou Ferrigno uh, from the original Incredible oh, Hulk and yeah. back in the day, right, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pumping Iron. And so we actually did a deal with Lou to be our celebrity endorser, if you will, to kind of be our spokesperson for Fortified, and we had signed an agreement and got ready to, to do this um, pretty significant six-figure deal. Uh, it, at least it was very significant for us. I don't know how it would compare with the type of deals that he typically does. But anyway, it was very significant for us. When the NASDAQ crashed, it was literally the week that we were signing that agreement with Lou and his legal counsel is when the market crashed when I was in San Francisco is when we we're inking that deal. And there was, no, there was going to be no way. That we could pay that fee. And so Carla, his wife called me and said, you know, we've racked up these legal expenses and now and now you need to back out of this deal. And I said, I will pay the legal expenses. And we did. And uh, and then Lou sent me this note that I I will have uh, until my dying breath about what it meant to him and his team. Uh, That we had that type of integrity when we weren't able to do a deal, but we followed through on at least that part of our promise because we could at least do that. Oh, wow. Um, So I learned, I learned, yeah, I learned some pretty valuable lessons with that. And and then later, my business partner, who also happens to be my cousin, uh, went to the Arnold Classic, Classic, excuse me, in Columbus, Ohio that next year and walked up to Lou. He was a spokesperson for Europa sports at the time as well, walked up, introduced himself. Hi Lou. I'm, I'm Dean Bacopoulos from fortified nutrition. Uh, I'm sorry that, that, you know, deal didn't work out And immediately. The first words out of Lou's mouth were How's Steven and like talk about an affirmation of making the right decision.
0: Oh, that's, that's,
2: huge. that's huge.
0: Well, I think that, you know, the, the goal uh, of business is to serve others, but also to represent ourselves well, right? I mean, I, there's a Bible verse that talks about a good name is worth more than money and, mm-hmm. and gold. And that's a really cool story to share that. The listener, you know, our wealth About Wall Street listener is is a business owner who is seeking to create financial freedom. And one of the ways that they're doing it initially is investing in themselves. And I I love the fact that your business, Predictive ROI, is all about helping business owners invest in themselves to create what you would call a predictive result. So kind of walk me through, how did you get to this model? How did you come up with the idea? And what was the story behind naming the company Predictive ROI? So before Predictive, so
2: again, Predictive is my fifth company, but it's not like I've owned business after business after business. I've, I've done some different things in between that over the course of the last you know, almost 30 years now. In one of those sort of hiatuses, if you will, of, of owning a business, I spent a little over six years teaching at uh, the University of Wisconsin, specifically at the La Crosse campus. So UW-La Crosse was my home campus, and I would teach throughout the state, like, including uh, UW-Madison School of Business. And so I would teach business owners, entrepreneurs, um, economic development professionals, some digital marketing things. And search engine optimization happened to be one of those, which then turned into my first book. Anyway, during one of those workshops, I don't know, it's like somebody asked me a question. And basically, like, could you predict, like, increases in traffic, leads, and sales if you followed this model? And I'm like, um... Yeah. Uh, And so then it turned into like, you know, algebra on the whiteboard kind of dang thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you know, after the workshop thinking that would be predictable return on investment. Well, could you come up (laughs) with a better name? Could there be something better than predictable return on investment? What if it was predictive ROI? Ooh. (laughs) Um, and, And so then I just continued to kind of noodle with it and work on the math. And then eventually we got a provisional patent on it and all of that kind of stuff. And then and then it grew from SEO into social, into email, into could you do webinars? Sure. What if you you know help somebody generate leads on LinkedIn? Could that work? Yup. And then all of a sudden we had like this 16 point model when you guys and I were talking a couple hours ago about how Darren Hardy played a role in the early formation of that kind of chemistry, which was really cool. So then all of a sudden it turned into like this, comprehensive way to be able to go to a business owner and now it's evolved into being able to go to a business owner and, and say to him or her we can help you plant your flag of authority in the niche that you serve we can help you then monetize that authority position typically in the form of a pretty full pipeline of right fit clients and, and it's worked you know pretty well but can we do that in a predict a predictable measurable repeatable way Sure
1: Well, and I think that what you're speaking is news or music to any business owner's ears is predictive. Unfortunately, the marketing space, I think, has largely missed the boat on tracking results. (laughs) There's a lot of talk and there's a lot of ideas, but not a whole lot of uh, accountability to actually what happens when you do this or do that. And so I, I'd love to hear, you know, how you're able to do that for hmm. business owners. Like, how are you able to basically say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and it's going to equal one, two, and three, okay. if that, if you will.
0: If it's all right, can I get you to hold off on that answer? Because I think he always does this to me. Well, Steven. you skipped ahead for a second. I, I feel like, <laughs> it, yes, that is a problem, right? I feel like that we're business owners aren't tracking well enough. Um, and the marketing professionals that are helping them are not helping them see the ROI on their return. But there's a lot of struggles that people have because Stephen, in your years, you've been uh, you, you've had predictive for you said eleven years. Is that correct or thirteen? Eleven. Eleven. In that eleven years, there's a, probably a very common story that that your typical customer, client, however you refer to them, what they're dealing with. And I, I know that when you say this. 90% of our listeners are going to be just nodding their head. But I want to like address that before we get to your question, stallion. Fine, I'll just I'll just wait. So would you mind sharing what is that typical problem that the person that comes to you is dealing with and they're expressing to you and you've probably gotten it written down, you, you know everything that there is to know about it? But let, let's break that out. I want to hear about that because I think that in of itself is knowing that other people have similar problems than you do creates opportunity for advancement.
2: There's several, and, and we, we can cover as many as would be helpful for your audience. Uh, typically, what ends up happening is early in those conversations, I say something like, tell me a little bit more about your business high level. Then we go eye level, but tell me a little bit more about your business high level, just so I have some context. Once I understand like what the business does or is doing, then, then I say, tell me about your client avatar. Tell me about your ideal client. Well, and then it's done, <laughs> right? So when, when when somebody can't say, tell me about your ideal client and we say, we work with agency owners, coaches and consultants. When somebody answers the question by saying, well, and we start to hear a him and haw, Well, you know, last year we did this really cool campaign with this pharmaceutical company. They were an awesome client. And then today we're working on this real estate thing. And then, you know, a couple of years before that, we were deep in the banking industry. That was awesome. And we're thinking about getting into healthcare or maybe insurance. So what that tells me is there's a fundamental flaw in their business. Obviously, they haven't planted their flag of authority in any sort of niche. But they haven't really understood the commonality of where their expertise actually aligns with where they can be the most helpful and to
1: who okay so why is that why haven't they planted a fly what's what's one of the biggest reasons you find
2: okay well let's take it back to when most people start their business you know most people when they start their business and when when I had the honor to have you guys as guests on my show we talked about that foundation the very first foundational step in that pyramid that you guys described was cash flow and early on in a business most businesses don't have it right? So what ends up happening is they know, they know that when that person walks through the door or sends them an email or calls them or something and says, hey, I've got this big bag of money and I know that I'm not the right fit client for you, but you're struggling to make payroll. How's about I give you this project? And when you are struggling to make payroll and you are you know potentially going to have to let people go, you know, you should not take that money. And not because you're going to be stealing the money or doing something nefarious with the money or anything like that, but you know that that client, at some point, you're going to go sideways with that person. And yet you say yes anyway. And so every single business owner has been there. Every single business owner has worked for a client knowing that they shouldn't, and instead they should double down in this particular area, the last place that they got success. And so most business owners, unfortunately, are aimlessly wandering through the wilderness to try and figure out who their ideal client is. So then when somebody like me says, well, let's develop some thought leadership around your ideal client avatar, they have no idea, mm-hmm. typically, who that
0: client avatar or who that client is. Well, so you said for yourself that you're working with coaches, consultants, and agencies. hmm at what point in time, though, I mean, bef- there was a time that you probably didn't have that down, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. But what, what was it for you that helped you find your avatar?
2: This goes back to your first question, the painful moment, and we'll take it into predictive. Is that okay? Yeah. Enter 2013. And uh, so Darren Hardy was on our board of advisors. And I mentioned that to you guys uh, during one of our recent conversations. And in helping us build out an event that I arrogantly had titled Predictive ROI Live. And I had done a deal with the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida, the Grand Lakes uh, Hotel. Uh, The Ritz-Carlton Grand Lakes is what I should say. Uh, That's the formal name of the hotel. And at the end of January... 2014, so I think it would have been January 29th, 30th, 31st, and like February 1st or some dang thing, uh, four days. I had guaranteed 1,000 room nights. Yeah, 1,000 room nights. It's a 325-room hotel. I had signed a contract with the Ritz-Carlton, and I basically leased out the entire hotel, including some ballroom space, catering, and all of that. It was an operating budget of $2 million. Gary Vaynerchuk was going to be a speaker, Darren, of course, uh, Avinash Kashik, digital marketing evangelist at Google, Scott McCain, Don Yeager, I mean, an A-list in little old me as speakers, okay, for a ballroom with 350 people. Every single time that I got together with Darren, which was often, he would always ask me the question, why would anybody want to come to this thing? I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would anybody want to come to this thing? Why would they not want to come to this thing? He's like, Stephen, you're charging $8,000 a seat. Why on earth would anyone want to come? And I'm like, because they're going to hear you and Gary and Scott and Don. He's like, look, no offense to you know all of us speakers, but you're crazy. Mm. That doesn't make any sense at all. Who is the ideal person to come to this? I'm like, business owners. He goes, oh my gosh, seriously, that's a horrible answer. (laughs) And I go, what do you mean it's a horrible answer? He goes, Stephen, business owners is too broad, it's too generic, it doesn't make any sense to anybody. So no, like not business owners. Who would come to this and why? Every single time I talked to him, he'd ask me that and I couldn't answer the question. And so when we opened the doors to sell the seats, we sold three.
0: Oh, goodness. It's going to
2: be a pretty intimate meeting, as you might imagine, three people <laughs> in a room with 350 seats. So candidly, we had to cancel the event five months out. And then um, I don't know if you know this about the Marriott Corporation. When you cancel an event, they still want their money. Okay. Mm, right. So, that. you know, I got I got a letter that said, hey, super sorry that that didn't work out. Ugh. Gosh, how awful. Hey, by the way, here's your invoice for $160,000. So I was able to get the $60,000 in broccoli voided because you know we're six months out before having to order 60 grand of food. Right. <laughs> but Predictive ROI paid $100,000 out the door for the event that we didn't have. And we lost $2 million in opportunity. So like Russ, when you talked about the story of your daughter losing the $10, you know, because she didn't get the hundred dollars for hanging on the bar. Yeah. That cost us a hundred grand and we lost the 2 million upside. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I feel for your daughter that that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That moment, that chaos and pain, sort of like how you compress coal and a diamond spits out the other side. I'm like, I will never, ever, ever make that mistake again. And shortly thereafter, we became members of the Agency Management Institute. I'm like, oh, hey, we can be helpful to agencies. And we started doing some work with agencies. And then when we launched our podcast, which was almost six years ago now, five and a half years ago, back in May of 2015, we had a lot of speakers and coaches as guests on our show. I'm like, hey, we can be helpful to
0: these people and consultants. And it grew out of that. And now we have total clarity. And again, when you think about that, that goes into your question, Joey. It allows you to start creating a plan, an action for who that person is. So, Joey, you want to refresh him on the question that you asked?
1: Man, I, there's nothing I'd love we, more. We
0: had such good <laughs> momentum, Joey,
2: too, and then he interrupted.
1: That's right. Exactly. I'm challenging
2: uh, to uh, see if he can even remember his question, Steven. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it.
1: But no, no, it is like how... How can you provide very specific results in a world of, from my experience, is not results driven, it's just shiny object driven.
0: So, Mm -hmm. so, okay, let's use the experience that you had, right? So now, if if Predictive ROI was consulting with Steven Predictive ROI Live customer (laughs) seven years ago, what would you have done to help? ensure the result of having 350 people sit in the Oh, in the- there's
2: no way to like turn that into a good idea. <laughs> just, just just to be clear. It's a dumpster fire. It, it is a dumpster fire on top of a grease fire wrapped up in a nuclear bomb sent out into orbit someplace. That is a horrible non-savable idea to be clear. Okay. However, to the essence of your question, Like if a business owner comes to us, like we have these conversations, you know, nearly every day and says, Hey, I run this type of consultancy, or I'm this kind of business coach, or I've got this agency that specializes in this type of offering. How could you help us to Joey's point in a predictable, repeatable, measurable way? So then after the conversation around avatar, and we help them gain clarity around that, then we help them. The next step would be, we help them build out a dream 25. Like, who are the 25 companies you would most like to serve, Mr. or Ms. Business Owner? And then that person would say, gosh, I need some help. I honestly don't know. Okay, awesome. So our team will help you map that out. And so then we build out a list of Dream 25 prospects. Does this fit, you know, your type of experience, this and that, or whatever? So obviously, that takes a little bit of time and care and research to build that out. And then once that's built, it's like, well, but how do do I now get in front of those people? like, okay, well, let's talk about some strategies because there's a few that we could choose. Uh, One of our favorites is what we like to call the Trojan horse of sales. Well, what's that? Well, let's say that instead of you going to knock on the door of company XYZ and saying, hey, how's about me sitting down with your CEO and talk about my stuff? And how about, you know, if that person would like to buy my stuff, (laughs) because that typically results as a door slammed in your face. But if you're the host of a top-rated podcast with lots of five-star reviews and iTunes, you're no longer an agency owner looking for your next client. You're now a journalist that represents probably the niche that that client is also serving. And so now you're a stakeholder in the same industry. And so now when you go knocking on the door, you're no longer an agency owner looking for your next fresh account You have a journalist hat on, and the door opens, and they wheel your Trojan horse right into the C-suite, and you have a 60-minute conversation with your ideal dream prospect. Now, after the interview's over, do you pounce on that person like fresh meat? No. There's a process downstream for when the episode airs, you send them a really amazing gift that they actually take a photo of and show it on social media because it's so amazing. You don't ask them to. They just do it because they love it so much. And then there's a book and then different ways that you continue that conversation going forward until eventually, like the 10th contact, you reach out to them and say, hey, Joey, uh, thanks again for being a guest of mine on episode, you know, 25 of whatever podcast. I really appreciate that. And my team and I, we sat down and we re-listened to that episode the other day. And when you said X, that made me think about Y. You know what? We do Why really well here at ABC Company. Is there maybe a day or time next week we could sit down and talk about that? And now it doesn't feel like you got Trojan horse or you got sold or you got anything. Now it's two business people coming together to see if they can help one another. And more often than not, Joey says yes. So the Dream 25, and then when you close a sale, you take that person off the Dream 25 and put a new person on. And that is very measurable all the way through, and it's super predictable. So I was thinking you were going to go to like
1: Facebook ads or, <laughs> no. man, you know, we do this strategy here and there's, you know, X amount of dollars go in and then blah, blah. No, this is, this is a, it sounds very relationally driven and it starts with who do you want to serve? So clarity, did you hear that Russ? I did he said that. the word clarity. Have you heard that word before somewhere?
2: Yeah. No, like I mean, listen, I, I, <laughs> I would never bash Facebook ads or Google ads or, or anything like that. They absolutely, without a doubt, have a place in the media mix. But typically, when our clients, agency owners, coaches, and consultants are looking for right fit prospects, because we as business owners, we want results now, they're also looking for things that like, can we get some fast wins, please? And so we build out what we call the fast eight in order to do a couple of things. One, build some momentum quickly, then help them plant their flag of authority because that makes the things that we did in the fast eight that much better. Um, so that they can build some momentum and move forward. So, but yeah, if you if you lose the predictable piece, then you kind of feel like you're back to aimlessly wandering through the wilderness, and that doesn't feel good.
0: Oh. I, I love that. I love the way that you're giving, like you're really hitting the heart of the problems that they're dealing with and giving them a, a clear plan of action. So as we start to wind down, I, I would love to hear just just one story. I mean, I, I know that I've gotten a chance to, to meet Chris Prefontaine and mm. Mitch Stevens personally, and, and their story is very interconnected with yours but someone maybe not as uh, famous as, as those two, maybe people who haven't uh, had a chance to to hear this person's story. Think of one uh, of one of your students along the way that maybe you're most proud of, uh, of just things that they've done. I'd love to hear that as we wind up. Sure. Well, so I'm going to have to sanitize it a little bit. That's okay. Okay. I tell you what,
2: I'm comfortable in talking about predictive numbers. So I'll give those to you second, okay. but then I'll give you kind of sanitized version because you know, I want to be respectful of this, you know, particular client. Sure. Okay. So when we first started working with him, so it's about five years ago now, you know, he, he did a pretty good job of leveraging his expertise, which was awesome in the particular niche that he served or still serves and ran a, a variety of workshops and, you know, his average workshop attendance was about 10 to 12 people. Uh, per workshop, and and he had a goal of could I get that to like closer to eighteen, uh, and so now we're five years in on this strategy. He has sponsors for his podcast, in the tune of you know multiple five figure sponsors that that essentially pay for his content creation. So like his content makes him money just from the sponsorship piece alone. Uh, His workshops that used to have, you know, 12, somewhere between 10 to 15 people, let's kind of round it up a little bit, 10 to 15 people are now getting 40 to 45 people where he used to charge, you know, less than a thousand dollars, call it maybe 995. He's doubled the price of the workshop attendance and he's added and built out a whole slew of additional offerings in that space. So he's been able to monetize his content hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over because he's been really serious about niche, like the industry that he's going to serve, combine it with a unique point of view that is different than his competitors, and creating weekly cornerstone content that is helpful to that niche. And that's where most business owners get it wrong. Because one, they don't have clarity on their niche. They don't know what actually makes them unique and different. There's something there or else they wouldn't have a business and they're not creating super meaty, helpful cornerstone content that is great for the audience because they think, well, Stephen, I get paid to do that. I don't want to give it away. Even McDonald's, you can Google McDonald's secret sauce recipe and find it.
0: Right.
2: (laughs) So the best thing that we can do to be helpful to our audience is to give it away. So um, some, Numbers then in full transparency, because uh, I'm happy to share our numbers, you know, we fell into the Trojan horse strategy. I would love to say it was like this grand strategy, but it wasn't. We launched, you know, Onward Nation on May 15th, 2015. Uh, and then a couple months later, one of our guests came to me and said, hey, could you do that for me? And I said, do what for you? He's like, oh my gosh, geez, <laughs> could you build me a podcast? And I'm like, um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Absolutely, we can. And so we did. And it turned out great. And then uh, we're still producing that podcast today. And then uh, later, after we launched it, and he was gaining some traction. He came to me and said, look, my podcast is awesome. Your podcast is awesome. Why in the world are you not doing this for more people? I'm like, who? Who? Who could we do this for? <laughs> and he's like, oh, my gosh, I was a guest on your show. Why in the world don't you reach out to? We had had like, I don't know, several hundred episodes at that point why don't you reach out to your other guests and see if they want to show? I'm like, that is awesome. So <laughs> one, one Sunday in 2015, I sent out 23 emails, 14 people got back to me and we sold six. Oh wow. And I'm like, holy crap, this works. And
0: that was almost $4 million ago. Wow. That's so cool. What? not it fun to see, Joey, just how someone who has an idea pulls it all together, serving others, and it just is just music just music too it, it is and i love the idea that what
1: we're always talking about on our show is steven that there's a process without a process you said it a, a number of times people are wandering aimlessly and i think that that's why we're so aligned with what you're talking about is we're about creating clarity and giving people the steps to freedom. In your case, it may be much, much more ROI in the business that you love and that you're you're investing in. In our case, it's financial freedom. But I I just I love the the story that we're able to tell together.
0: So, Stephen, mm. as, as we wind up, would you mind sharing, like, how, how can our listener get in touch with you? How would they go to find you and be able mm. to understand more about the different things that they can do and, and what you're up to? A uh, great way to find me is on LinkedIn. And here's
2: why. Also, if somebody from your audience, because this will be a way for them to really kind of evaluate this stuff in action. And here's what I mean. So if if they connect with me on LinkedIn, they will most likely at some point receive an invitation from me to attend our weekly Mm Q&A. Every Wednesday at 12 o'clock central, my business partner and I, and sometimes with a special guest, we will host what we call how to fill your sales pipeline, open mic Q&A. It's free. You have to register for it, but it's it's free. And you come and we share like the first 10 minutes or so. We share like the best kind of insight experiment results nugget that we've picked up in the last week. And we we share that as a way to kind of get the conversation sort of started. And then, and then we go open mic for the remaining 45, 50 minutes. So that strategy alongside Onward Nation as our podcast for, for BizDev has been phenomenal. And it's not because we're in that session selling at all, because we're not, not in the least little bit. There is no sales message at all. We are there to be helpful and to answer questions. But what has happened is afterwards, the people who attend say, oh my gosh, that was some of the best education I've ever heard or that I've received as of late. Could you guys help me in my business like that? And it's about being generous. Every Wednesday at noon, for an hour in sharing and answering questions in a super transparent way. And then it seems like magic that happens afterwards, no sales pitch, but people come back to us and say, my gosh, I can't imagine what would happen in our business if we were doing that consistently, like you talked about. Is that what you do for people? And so my suggestion to your, like anybody who wants to connect with me, awesome. Connect with me on LinkedIn and you'll see this entire strategy play out in full transparency. And I'm telling you, take it. You'll get the emails if you decide to register. You'll see everything that we do in full transparency. Take it, apply it. Use the strategy for your own business benefit with your audience. Very
0: cool. We'll, we'll so make awesome. sure we get your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Stephen. thank you so much for coming on and sharing such amazing value with our audience today. And uh, thank you for being a
1: part of our community as well. So people could message you in there as well. Is that, is that cool?
0: Of course. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Have an amazing day and we'll see you on the next episode. This has been the wealth without wall street podcast. Don't forget to
2: subscribe to the show to break free of the wall street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.